days ago, I told my students I was going to be giving a TED Talk. And they had two responses. The first was, that is super cool. Right? So would you agree? Super cool, right? Woo! Yeah! And so I went from being kind of the geeky professor to still being a geeky professor, but being able to do something really cool. Um, the second reaction was, um, we want our voices to be heard. And so what I did was, um, I just asked them for a minute and a half just to take out a sheet of paper. And I said, I want you to write down something, you know, if there is anything that you would change about the way your parents communicated when you were growing up. And the second question I said was, I want you to also thinking, think about something that you appreciate about the way they communicated with you or with each other growing up. And this was one of the responses. I mean, keep in mind, this was written in a minute and a half. My parents never got a divorce, but I always wish they had. Even when they were both cheating on one another to get back at each other, or when child services got involved, or when all the friends and family encouraged them to end it, they still held on. Now I'm 19 and scared to believe that anything lasts forever. Every relationship I go into, I constantly remind myself that in a month, or a year, or whatever, I'll lose them. I wish my parents had just ended it back when me and my brothers were little, that they hadn't made me feel like their love-hate relationship with each other was more important than us. However, they always reminded us that we were loved and that we mattered forever and always. And we still stayed strong when it really mattered. I love them both. Now imagine, you know, and this was anonymous, so collecting these and then kind of sifting through them after class and seeing that. You know, and then I, you know, I kept sifting through thinking, you know, and there were a bunch of them. There were really, really sad cases. The majority were super positive. Keep that in mind. You know, but it really made me think as a professor, you know, looking across at my students, um, I was kind of dumbfounded because I, you know, talked about divorce for, and conflict for like a class grade and a half. Not once did it ever occur to me that a student was feeling that inside. And I think a lot of parents face a similar situation where they look at their child and they think their child is okay. And most children are. But inside, they might be feeling something very different and they don't talk about it. So parents just don't know. So today, I wanna give children of divorce a voice. So like I said, I don't have any fancy PowerPoint slides. I just have their voices and some research thrown in. Um, in particular, I want you to see divorce through the eyes of the adolescents and young adults who've experienced it. And I often get asked the question, so what impact does divorce have on children? And my answer is always, it depends. Um, it depends upon a host of complex um, circumstances and situations. And children really vary in terms of how they respond to divorce. Some children actually fare a lot better if they're removed from a really conflicted, turbulent environment. And other children um, fare really poorly. And then other children aren't affected at, aren't affected at all. Divorce does have, for most children, a short-term impact. Most children of divorce suffer from lower self-esteem, anxiety, depression, less quality contact with their parents, um, their standard of living decreases. And a lot of times, you know, these short-term effects actually linger into adulthood and have long-term effects. You know, some children continue to have um, psychological difficulties. Um, children of divorce, on average, um, tend to have um, less satisfied relationships with their parents later in life. They have more difficulty in their romantic relationships and they're much more likely to get, to get divorced themselves. 
And at this point in the lecture, this, the children who are from divorced families, the students want to get out and walk out. Because it's like, great, I'm screwed. Um, is there hope? And yes, there is. Because research actually shows that the differences or the effect sizes between children of divorce and children of parents who stay married are very small. Primarily because there's a lot of variance in how, people, how children respond to divorce. But what's really interesting, Paul Amato, who's a sociologist and one of my mentors, actually showed that these effect sizes, actually these differences might be getting bigger, not smaller. He did um, a meta-analysis where he looked at hundreds of studies from the children whose parents were divorced in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Um, and it was really high, the effect of divorce on children in the 70s, decreased in the 80s, and increased in the 90s again. So it's kind of perplexing. Divorce is common. It's less stigmatized. So why would the differences between divor children of divorce and non-divorced families be increasing? You know, and Apollo Mato, one of his, you know, one of his suggestions was, well, maybe it's because the reasons for divorce are different than they used to be. When people got divorced in the 1970s, it was because it was a really bad marriage, right? You know, adultery, all these other things, and they really needed to get out of it. Today, people are getting divorced for personal happiness, and that could really bother children, right? That's not enough. Um, people are getting divorced too easily. When I ask my students, well, what do you think? They actually argue it's because children are closer to their parents now than they ever have been. When I think about my generation, and I just turned 40, I'm going to admit it on the web, <laughs> woo, just turned 40, right? But I think my generation and older, you know, we talk to our parents like on a Sunday night once a week, and that's good, you know, good kids. <laughs> and we say hi and, you know, have good relationships. But those of you who are college students, how many of you um, talk to your parents once a day or once every other day? Yeah, the vast majority. Whenever my, I ask my students, you know, classes of 100, 90% of them talk to their parents at least once a day. Text messaging, the phone, how, whatever they use, they talk to their parents a lot. And they feel extremely close to them. Times are changing, partially due to technology and other things. But it might mean that when divorce happens, because they're so close to their parents, it hurts them more. So setting that aside, though, those effect sizes, those differences are still very small. So divorce matters. But what I want you to remember today is this point. There's one variable that determines more than any other how well children function after divorce, and that's parents' conflict. I would say the, that the most profound finding on divorce in the past four decades is that parents' conflict is more important than divorce per se in predicting how well children function. In fact, children whose parents have a lot of conflict and who stay married, those are the children that actually have the most difficulty psychologically and have the most difficulty establishing satisfying relationships later in life, not the children necessarily whose parents divorce. It's not so much about the divorce as it is how parents relate to each other. You know, most, most people who've been married for 50 years are happily married, thank goodness. But there's a subgroup of those people who've been married forever who really just don't like each other. It's sarcastic, I know it's dark. But I kind of wish there was a special section of the Hallmark store for them. You know what I mean? Because the Hallmark is always like so flowery and beautiful, but there should be like a card that says, You've been married for 50 years, but have you been happy? Uh, again, dark, I know. Um, but 
there are those subgroup of people who simply don't believe in divorce. And I'm not saying that you should go out and get a divorce. I'm not an advocate of divorce. It's really painful. And people, I do think people get divorced way too easily. Um, but parents also need to know that the way that they fight affects their children's bodies. I remember a long time ago, I was doing field research and went into families' homes, and I was spending anywhere from four to seven hours in their home. And I was interviewing and surveying, you know, all the kids and the parents, everybody in the home. And I remember sitting on the couch um, with a child, Nate, who was 12 years old, sitting on the couch with him and asking, asking him about his parents' divorce. And I remember him saying, you know, his stomach hurt a lot. At night, his stomach would hurt. And then he would go to school and his stomach would still hurt. He had a hard time concentrating. And he was talking about how his parents fought a lot. And then I asked him, well, do you talk to your parents about their fighting? It's like, and he said, no, I don't ever talk to them about it because if I bring it up, it makes the conflict worse. Um, that defining moment, that had a big impact on my research. I walked away from that interaction with that child thinking, I gotta do something different. different. Other than self-reports, you know, or surveys, to try and show parents, look, the way that you're fighting is affecting your children's bodies. And from that point forward, I began to look at physiology and children's physical, you know, physiological reactions to their parents' conflict and other types of communication patterns um, through things like uh, their heart rates, their gal galvanic skin response to their sweat or arousal, and looking at stress hormones. And so, you know, when your body is stressed, it t your brain tells the rest of your body to emit hormones like cortisol. So we take people's spit. You can tell a lot of things through a person's spit. Although sometimes people don't want to give us their spit. They're a little bit hesitant because they're like, are you cloning me? What are you going to do with this? Uh, DNA? Um, you can't actually tell a person's DNA. But um, we look at stress hormones. Because you can tell from just from someone's spit how stressed their body is. Um, and so, for example, we bring parents and adolescents into the lab, we sit them on a couch, and then we have them talk about something stressful about the parents' relationship. And these are parents and kids from divorced and non-divorced families. Um, and then we take their spit before the interaction, and it three or four times after the interaction. 